Hello, hello, and welcome back to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things big emotions, anxiety, emotion regulation, and of course, resilience. We are on our journey of resilience 2024. Last week, I introduced the concept of emotional intelligence and how it really contributes to resilience. We're focusing on all of those key aspects throughout the year that contribute. And I talked about some of the skills involved and wanted to talk today a little bit about some of those key competencies with a little more focus for emotional intelligence. They're essential for children's development and of course resilience since we're talking about that next week i'll be talking more specifically about how we can nurture those skills but it's important to know what the skills are and you know if there's areas our kids are already showing strengths in or areas that we know that we need to develop so as i go through these skills i really want to highlight how important, uh, you know, we're looking at balanced development across all emotional intelligence competencies. And so it's about having a range of emotional skills that I'm going to be talking about really to excel in all parts of life. And children have challenges with, you know, if they've got difficulties regulating anger, they probably also have difficulties regulating excited you know, joy and big excitement that can come out behaviorally as well. So the first critical skill to really think about is emotional self-awareness, right? Where children can tune in, they can recognize and understand those feelings and know how those feelings can affect their behavior and how our responses to them as the adults or teachers or, you know, adults in their life is really affecting them and ourselves and others too. And so that's part of their self-awareness as well is even that, how it's going to affect my teacher, my friends, myself in these situations. So that awareness is critical. Without it, they're just going to emote and respond and never think about it and never think of making a different choice. So with that awareness, children and teens and adults can really improve uh, their ability to cope with whatever the stressors are in the moment or, you know, whatever the triggers are. They can manage their feelings. They can respond to stressful situations in adaptive, helpful ways. That self-awareness, it's really the cornerstone of emotional intelligence because without it, we can't use any of the other skills that I'm going to be talking about. Same thing when I talk about ADHD. I mean, impulsivity is the cornerstone. Without it, we can't practice the other skills. And so same here with self-awareness, because with that self-awareness, children can self-regulate, which is another key skill. So they're managing and expressing their feelings in a healthy way. They can manage any of those behavioral impulses and make a different choice. They can anticipate the consequences before they're reacting impulsively. So we see a little bit of overlap with that behavioral inhibition or impulsivity. So, so managing those impulsive sort of automatic reactions, especially when they're under stress. So we see that there's this emotional balance here. Kids can do everything that I teach them, you know, in, in, in any of the training programs that I have, you know, where instead of trying to push them away, they're turning towards them. And that's what we want to make sure we're doing too. If we keep telling them, just calm down, get rid of this anger, right? Push it away. They're going to keep trying to push it away. It's just going to grow and become bigger. And so in all of my training programs and everything that I talk about, it's about turning towards them, turning towards those big feelings, turning towards so that they can notice them. Hmm. 
I'm feeling really overwhelmed with anger right now. How is that showing up in my body, right? Where do I feel that? Oh, right here, my chest. For me personally, when I'm really angry, it feels like there's somebody behind bars just rattling those bars. So where does that show up in my body? Where does it show up in my mind? The thoughts, I just want to punch somebody. Maybe it's a visual thought of punching somebody or you're thinking or even saying, I'm going to punch you like I just and some kids actually do, right? They, they have a hard time really internalizing that. So when we can pay attention to what's happening, we can start to expose them, right? A hot anger, I see that you showed up today. And so now we can start making good choices rather than punching somebody in the face. What's something else that we could be doing? And so with all of this, children can openly express their feelings verbally. That's what we want to get to. I am frustrated. I am angry rather than behaviorally, right? Being able to see that instead of biting or hitting or punching or ripping or whatever it is that they're doing. So it's thoughtful behavioral choices, which can really help when we're looking at resilience. It's helping them bounce back and thrive from challenges. It's helping them maintain their relationships so they're not getting in trouble. They can stay in success loops, all the things that are really important for when we're looking at resilience. Having a positive outlook is important for emotional intelligence and resilience as well. And, and I know I've talked a little bit about this before. It's not all Pollyanna, you know, everything is awesome. It's just being able to, be, you know, believe that I have the capacity. So it's really involving that self-efficacy piece here, the belief that I can handle it, whatever the it, the situation is, right? This conflict with my parents, with my teachers, with my friends, this really hard task that I need to do, I can handle it and things are going to work out okay. Maybe the outcome isn't necessarily, we have no control over what the outcome is, but whatever the outcome is, I can handle it. So that mindset is really crucial for emotional intelligence because it's really encouraging this proactive open approach to emotions, to relationships and situations. And with that outlook, you know, these students, they're really willing to try new things. They're ready to stretch out of their comfort zones they're willing to take risks. All of this is critical for learning, for growing, and of course, for resilience. So, you know, children with a positive attitude, they view those setbacks, those quote unquote failures. I hate calling them failures, but when things don't turn out how we expected them, or we have an obstacle or a barrier or whatever those setbacks are, they see them as temporary, this will pass. It's not a permanent that I suck and a permanent that I'm terrible at everything. It's temporary. And they believe, you know, that they have the capacity to overcome whatever that setback is or the obstacle is. And that's going to just contribute further to their ability to persevere with whatever adverse situation comes up for them. So I think that that's really important. And again, I, I, I don't want to give you that wrong idea about just being Pollyanna and I've got to be happy and sweet and chipper and easygoing all the time because emotional intelligence really involves understanding and managing one's emotions effectively. And that's all emotions, right? Getting out of those unhelpful, self-defeating emotional habits that we are so easily sucked into.
So I know some of this sounds very familiar from last week because I am reiterating. Last week I was really talking about um, how emotional intelligence manifests. And today I'm really focusing more specifically on those skills. So if it sounds like there's a little bit of overlap, there is. But I just want to really nail down these these core skills. Uh, So another one is being flexible. That's important too. You might be seeing a theme here, right? Again, with those very similar skills that I talked about last week, but similar skills with anxious children. These are what all the skills that anxious children need to develop. Adaptability is being flexible when things change, when challenges come up, when things don't go as expected, right? And that includes being able to adapt their emotional responses as well as their strategies in a situation. So let's say they're working on a project and it's not going well, right? Being flexible means that they can come up with new ideas or ways to finish the project, even if it's different from what they were expecting. So we see here really strong problem-solving skills where they consider their feelings that come up as well as keeping that prefrontal cortex online so that they can use their logical brain and come up with a good solution to be able to solve the problem. And that helps them thrive through setbacks, which which is all about resilience. So that's really important to think about. But even too, it's being able to adapt when, you know, I had it in my head that we were going to go swimming after school. And you're saying we're not like, even if it was never talked about, sometimes students will just come up with that idea. It's a great plan. And now they can't. So being able to adapt and, and adjust some of those emotions is really important. Now, empathy is important as well, of course, right? So when children can recognize recognize and understand and show genuine interest in other people's feelings and in other people's experiences, that's empathy. And that's part of social awareness, understanding other people's emotions. So there's three parts here understanding others' thoughts, sensing others' feelings, and then caring about others. And so that's a critical piece for building healthy relationships. Now, these children, they can relate well to others. They, they're actively listening. They're picking up on nonverbal cues. And so that's helping them stay attuned to those around them. Now, this can be challenging for neurodivergent students. So that's a whole other area to focus on. But for them, it's about being assertive and addressing you know, what needs they have in that moment rather than trying to figure out what everybody else is feeling, which is not bad for anybody, neurotypical or not. I think that's really important. But if we think about a student who's comforting a classmate, maybe they didn't do well on a test. Actually, recently, uh, my youngest daughter just went through volleyball tryouts and some of her friends didn't make the team. And so being able to comfort them who didn't make the team, right? So there's acts of kindness too, and just really understanding their perspective and how hard it is and just actively listening. That's really important. And it's showcasing their emotional intelligence and again, contributing to building those strong, supportive relationships. Empathetic children they're often feeling supported too, and they're more likely to seek and receive assistance when things are hard for them. And that's so important because I'm finding so many children more and more aren't asking for help, especially as they get into those teenage years. But that's so important to enhance their resilience. 
There's lots of important social skills in here too, right? Children can communicate effectively. They can establish and build friendships. They can navigate conflicts well. Conflict resolution is such a critical skill because conflict is a part of life. It's not just a childhood thing. It's an adult thing, a, a marital thing, a, a work thing. You know, it's just so important in every aspect across all contexts. And emotional intelligence really plays a significant role in being able to solve those pieces peacefully and adaptively, right? Wouldn't it be great if two siblings could find common ground after a disagreement rather than screaming and hitting and running to you all the time? I mean, that's so, that would be fantastic. There's also a motivation piece here. I don't love that word, to be quite honest, because our brain really isn't built to be motivated. And I always worry about parents who are like, I just need them to pull up their socks and be more motivated. But it is an important consideration because that motivation is really encouraging children to set and work towards whatever goal they have, some ambitious goal, and enjoy the process. It's not necessarily about, well, it's not about the outcome. It's about the learning process as they're working towards it. It's about persevering in face of whatever challenges get in the way of, you know, trying to pursue that goal. They're able to maintain their enthusiasm and that determination, even if there are setbacks. And that's really promoting resilience. Too often, I see kids giving up immediately. The minute it looks hard, not even that it is hard, it just looks hard, they're giving up. They're not even trying. And that's a huge problem because it's stifling their resilience, it's stifling their learning and their growth. So I think that that's really important here. But, you know, I'm, I really am. All of these pieces that I'm looking at, they are, you know, emotional intelligence skills, but they play such a significant role in that resilience because that's what this journey is all about. And I do, do just want to say that emotional intelligence, it, it really does start from a very young age and it continues to develop gradually over time, even through adulthood. So we can nurture these skills anytime right? We we do see different aspects emerging at various ages. So maybe it would be good just to give a quick rundown on what that might look like at different ages. But truly, we can develop them at any time in life. And I think that that's really important. So when we're looking at infancy, so, you know, from the time they're born till about two years old, give or take a little bit, and, and this is developmentally, okay? We want to make sure developmentally. We're really seeing basic emotional awareness develop even just that first year, we're starting to see some of that emotional uh, awareness. I mean, they're already recognizing when they need to self-soothe within a few months, right? So from a very young age, but within that time, this infancy time, they're learning to recognize and respond to their own emotions and even to their caregivers as well. So for example, they might cry, you know, when they're hungry or they just need some comfort whenever they're upset. And so they just know, right? I'm upset. Things aren't going my way. I, I need... I'm crying and I'm going to start getting that response. So that attachment piece becomes so important. I mean, infants form attachment bonds with their primary caregivers in this time. And that's really laying that foundation for understanding relationships, understanding emotions. And a secure attachment provides a sense of safety, a sense of trust. And that's so important for emotional development because we know it's a protective factor for anxiety. It keeps that prefrontal cortex online that curiosity where I'm going to explore and learn and 
grow and develop. I'm not going to get into attachment now, but all of those pieces are really important. So that there that, that emotional awareness is emerging. Once we get into early childhood, so the sort of the toddler, preschool, pre-kindergarten, up to six years developmentally, children can start to use their words, right? They're identifying and labeling basic emotions. So happy, sad, angry, um, scared, kind of the inside out types of things, maybe not um, discussed quite yet, but that they can express those feelings using words and they start to. As they start interacting with peers and with adults, they're starting to develop empathy, right? They're able to recognize and understand other people's emotions. And just so you know, reading with and to children is a huge, important task that we need to be doing to help build that empathy. So I, I, you know, I just wanted to throw in there as well. So we might start seeing them offering comfort, right? Maybe they're helping people out. You know, if somebody's upset or fallen, they'll run over to their side and check in on them. That early childhood is also really important for learning how to manage emotions as well. So children are going to start experimenting with different strategies for coping with their frustration, with their sadness, with their disappointment. And so oftentimes they still need guidance from their caregivers, but we can see how important this time period really is for developing those foundational skills for emotional intelligence, especially in, you know, identifying, labeling our own emotions, recognizing them in others and being able to respond in helpful ways. So as we get into those school-aged years, so our elementary sort of six to 12 year age, they're really expanding their emotional vocabulary. And that's really important. We want to promote that. We want to help them develop that emotional vocabulary because the human brain can really only come up still with a few of those core basic ones. So we want them to be able to become more skilled at, I mean, labeling, but also describing those complex feelings and the emotions. So differentiating between subtle emotional experiences. And so when I talk about emotional experiences, that's different from feelings. Emotional includes the physiological aspects as well. This period is also important for children to develop other important skills like conflict resolution, for example. So learning how to negotiate and compromising with their friends to resolve any disagreements. They are becoming more and more self-aware in this time period as well. And they're starting to reflect on their own emotions and actions. They might think a little bit more about how their behavior affects others, and they're starting to develop a sense of responsibility. So we really want to start seeing that within those elementary ages, right, up until 12. Now they're going into tween and teen years. So as they reach that at ad ad adolescence, so in around the 12, right up to adulthood, sort of 18, developmentally, again, remember that, we see a really strong sense of emotional independence. They might start to question and even explore, you know, their own values, their own emotions. Oftentimes, they're going to challenge authority figures and, and challenge their values and what they think is important. So, we, we really want to make sure they have a lot of exposures because with increased exposure to a bunch of different, you know, diverse social situations, they're going to become more socially aware. And that's really important. And, and they start to gain insights into group dynamics and to peer pressure, some of those things that we start to see a little bit more of in these teenage years. 
that adolescents, they're really starting to refine their empathy, refine their perspective taking. So they're becoming better at understanding other people's viewpoints and other people's feelings. And then as they transition into adulthood, because remember, these just continue to develop even into adulthood, we, we see that emotional intelligence continue to develop where we're honing our ability to regulate emotions in different life situations. And I've come across a lot of adults who are still definitely needing to work on these things. So I think that that's really important. I've seen, you know, a lot without these skills. So we all need to work on this. And especially if we're going to work with children or have our own children that we need to parent. We need to be able to co-regulate. So adults with strong emotional intelligence, they tend to have healthier interpersonal relationships. Again, they can navigate conflicts effectively. They can communicate actively empathically, right? Um, and so that's really important. So we know emotional intelligence plays a vital role in being able to cope with stress and adversity, which we will always have in our life. And so adults with that well-developed EI can really handle all of life's challenges, all the ups and downs that come with life, and it's really contributing to their resilience and adaptability. So that's just a quick rundown. I think it's important to note too that emotional intelligence, it, it's its not solely determined just by age or developmental stage, okay? So just because they're five, they, you know, they're not automatically necessarily going to be verbally expressing their emotions. Just because they're 13, they might not automatically just be able to do all of these things that I talked about. It's really influenced by their individual experiences, by their social interactions, by the quality of parenting or caregiving that they've received during the childhood. So everyone in their life, I mean, parents, teachers, coaches, other important family members, mentors, tutors, I mean, everybody has, has a role really in fostering that development of emotional intelligence. And when we look at it, you know, some of those actions were providing emotional support. We're modeling empathetic behavior. We're teaching and modeling those emotion regulation skills. We are able to co-regulate with them. All of those things are really important because emotional intelligence really is a learnable skill. And we want to make sure we've got the right environment, lots of opportunities to work on that. I'll be getting into all of that next week, the things that we could be doing. So I'll just leave it there for today, short and sweet, I think. <laughs> um, before I do, as always, I want to make sure I give you a key tip to focus on this week for building that emotional intelligence. I, I want to really encourage establishing a habit for daily emotional check-ins. I'm just finding more and more people are like, I can't have a conversation because whenever I do, they just blow up. Well, it's usually because we're waiting until we have a problem, right? We're waiting until we have feedback that we need to give or we're concerned about something. So if we're only waiting until we're upset or they're upset, they're never going to have the chance to really tune in with what's going on for them because they just know something's being sprung on them. I got to get defensive. So if we're making this a regular habit where we're always checking in about how they're doing emotionally, I mean, we can debrief the day, check in with emotions. It's way easier to have a hard conversation with them. 
because it's not going to go sideways immediately, right? I think that that's really important. So set aside a time, a specific time every day for children to check in with their emotions. I mean, at home, it can be done during family meetings. I have regular family meetings each week, but you might want to do it maybe before bedtime. Or if that's a problem, I know in my house, when my kids were younger, that might be too much of a problem. So maybe it's at dinner time or even in the morning. In the classroom, if you're a teacher, it could be before the start of every class or at the start of the day. And, and you could have students pairing up. So it's not like a huge hour long class discussion. It could be students pairing up and really during this time, ask open-ended questions. How are you feeling today? What made you happy or upset today? Right. Or predicting what might today, what might get them angry, what might trigger emotion. So encouraging them to use a feelings chart or a journal to express their emotions visually or in writing can be really helpful. But I always like having that wheel emotion wheel or emoji cards or something like that just so that our brain can open up to the complexities of all of the different emotions and feelings that we could be really experiencing so i think that that's really important if you are one-to-one you know so if it is your child or even a student that you're one-on-one with that's really important to validate their emotions and their feelings and discussing strategies for managing them effectively if that's appropriate um Again, if you're in the classroom and it's easier to do pairs or small groups, I mean, just have them respond in helpful ways. So they're learning to listen actively and empathetically. That's really important. So now both students are learning multiple skills because, you know, they're regularly acknowledging and discussing their emotions. So they're building that emotional self-awareness. They're strengthening their ability to express and manage their feelings in, in healthy ways. But then they're also able to respond and explore and listen empathetically when other people are sharing their pieces. So that's what I'm going to encourage you for this week is just set up those regular check-ins because it's so important for building that emotional intelligence. So I'll leave it there. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Overpowering Emotions. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with others. Rate it on Apple or whatever platform you are listening to it. I th- uh, That would be greatly appreciated. And until next time, go help those kiddos be bold and courageous. Take care.